0: This is the Action Network Podcast.
1: And it is good. Without further ado,
0: that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm gonna just leave it up there.
1: You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Let's try the floor, let's
2: go! Welcome! to the Action Network Podcast NBA Playoff Edition. I'm Matt Moore, senior NBA writer, joined, as always, by Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer, as we are going to bring you a... I'm just going to go ahead and drop this F-bomb right off the top, producer Matt Mitchell. A great fucking weekend in the NBA playoffs. It was awesome. Not only was it great basketball, I went 6-2 and on the bets. If I hadn't live bet, it would have been a much better weekend but in general, I did really well on the first game bets. I'm excited. I look. I feel good about my series bets. The games have been way better. Like, the series look way better than they did, I think, when we got them early last week. I, I'm just, I'm really excited about the NBA playoffs right now. It was an awesome weekend. Brandon Anderson, you, who was very, very eory e on this podcast and in our Slack about the playoffs in general and about, and you dismissed basically every major, like every big dog you were like, yeah, it's net and this is going to be, I tried to say, I was like, look, there's always surprises. You got you got to really dig to try and find what's going to happen. It's never chalk. We, we have some surprises. We have some real twists and turns. There were some series that were, that, that looked like they're going to go what we think in the Eastern conference, but in general, Brandon, a, a really great weekend of basketball. An awesome,
3: awesome weekend. Uh, you you said on Twitter, this is one of the best opening weekends of games that I remember. I mean, there, outside of I guess a couple of the top Eastern series, like there was something in in every game, and even those games were still pretty good. Like, it was just fun basketball. It was wire to wire in almost all of them. It was great to see crowds, like actual yes. crowds, real crowd noise yeah. at games. Mm-hmm. MSG was awesome, and also that was like. Like, that game was ramping up right after the Phil Mickelson walking through the mob onto the green thing. Like, that just, it made me feel alive again. Playoffs, basketball are back. Fans are back. It's awesome. I was wrong. We've got an awesome first round. We had great games and good-looking series, and I'm excited to talk about them.
2: People were spilling beer on each other while screaming curse words at a player who did nothing but make a big shot in New York. Nature is healing Raheem Palmer. How was your weekend of betting?
4: Oh my god, this weekend was great. I'm thinking about buying a Ferrari Testarossa. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I mean, I've showed you guys some of the bet tickets. I mean, yeah, you did well. It's, it's really, it's 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 really been a great weekend. You know, the games that I hammered, you know, did really well. So I I can't complain. The playoffs, the, I mean, we had some of the most exciting games like. Honestly, I hate to admit this is a Philly guy, but the NBA is really better when the Knicks are good. So I'm just excited about what we have right now. <laughs>
2: the, the Knicks are better. When the, I'll say this. The league is better when the Knicks are good and they have a villain. And they have a villain. We'll get to that game here in a little bit. Um, here's where I want to start. We're going to go through the series today. Um, we'll talk about them. As briefly as we can, as we try and keep this podcast under five hours, (laughs) we're going to go over where the series value is. We'll go look at a little bit at game two. We're going to go from most compelling and most actionable to least compelling uh, and least actionable. We'll go in that direction, which lets us kind of speed through at the end. Let's start at the top of the first game of the weekend.
0: The Miami Heat at the Milwaukee Bucks.
2: If you had told me that the Bucks won in overtime in game one, Before the series, what my position would be, I would have told you that I would be looking to bet the Heat in the series. At this point, I bet MGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, the Bucks are minus 400. The Heat are plus 320. At plus 320, that's only an implied odds of 23.8%. Obviously, I think that there's you have to say that there's objective value on Miami, but I'll tell you this, guys. I wrote about this in my breakdown off of Saturday's games. I'm working on Sundays today. That'll be up sometime on Monday. Um, I actually go the other way here. I think that that win was huge for the Bucs. I think that the way it played out, the Bucs had that game where they didn't shoot well. They shot five of 31 from three. They could not hit anything. Uh, Butler was largely quiet, but Duncan Robinson had a massive game. All of these things I think went wrong for Milwaukee and this really comes down to what were the precepts coming into the series that we talked about last week. The difference between last year and this year is Bucks plus Drew Holiday. Heat minus Jay Crowder. And that was massive. Not having that other shooter, even with Duncan Robinson having a big game, Allowed the Bucks to play the defense that contained Bam out of bio. It contained Jimmy Butler. Both those guys had bad games, but it allowed them to do that and put them in a position to get this win. Raheem, I, I like where I'm sitting uh
4: on Bucks with a minus one and a half series series price right now. Series. Price. I absolutely love it. And then I, I love the Bucks tonight. I mean, for I mean, for whatever reason, home teams just aren't shooting well in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, home teams are just 76 of 278, shooting 27%. The Heat outscored the Bucs by 45 points from three-point range, and the Bucks were still within a defensive rebound and overtime away from covering this game. I mean, Drew Holiday has been big. Like, sometimes you see him get a rebound, and he pushes it in transition, and, you know, they're getting easy points there. They've really – I mean, this Bucks defense – can really hold this Heat team down, other than the three point shooting. I mean, the Heat were just—I think they shot just um thirty-two percent from two. Like, so I just—I really like the Bucks here. I think you're, you're you're sitting pretty if you have the Bucks minus one and a half, which I think we both gave out. And then if you have the Bucks for the series, I I, I love it. I think the Bucks are going to win tonight. I think they get a normal shooting percentage, and then they're fine. So I, I see I I see nothing from the Heat that makes me think. They could win this series. And then not only are they missing Jay Crowder on the offensive end, they're missing him on the defensive end as well. Like, he was one of the key pieces in guarding Giannis. So, you know, I, I really love the Bucks here. The Heat got a, a bad Giannis
2: game. They did a really good job. They're going to do a very good job on him. But they got a bad Giannis game on top of it, right? The free throws are an issue. I think that's a, that's a thing. Um, yeah. But they had so many things go right, Brandon, and they still came out with a loss. Raheem kind of mentioned all these factors. I'm on the over tonight uh, in Heat Bucks game two. Uh, It dropped from 227 in game one to 220. It's at 222 and a half at most books. And I'm basically factoring on, I don't expect the Bucks to shoot five of 31 from three again. I don't think the Bucks had, they got away with playing Brooke Lopez in a drop position enough to where they're not going to want to be like, all right, we got to change this up and and put PJ Tucker in and switch everything. So the heat are still going to get three point attempts, but I think Giannis probably has a slightly better game. I think that the bucks shoot a little bit better from deep. And I think that the, the, the the pace of this series was actually, this game was actually surprisingly fast. Like I I think this is, I think there's been an overreaction. The money's coming in on the under. So I got to mention that, like if I'm wrong, you know, you, if you want to go with, with where the money's coming in, the money's coming in on the under, this has already moved down actually a point from 223 and a half at open. But I do think this is going to get back to a more regulated, but I do think that that game also, Brandon, gives the Bucks confidence that they can win this series. They're, they are not shook like they were after that game won last year.
3: Yeah, I agree. That I agree with everything you both just said. Like th- This is the game that we all have been waiting to see the Bucs play since a year ago this is the game they've been waiting to see themselves play since a year ago. Like this is why you get drew holiday. It was very, very clear in this game. Drew holiday is not Eric Bledsoe. This is why you make the trade. This is why you get him on both ends of the court. And yeah, we, we've said all year on the podcast, everything went wrong in the bubble last year for the box against the heat. And, and then it didn't happen for them. And then you come out in game one and our whole thing was, well, everything can't go wrong again. And then everything went wrong again. You know, like Giannis was 10 of 24 on twos. He, he never shoots that badly on twos. And the Bucks shoot 16% on threes. They literally get outshot by Duncan Robinson on threes. Like Raheem said, 45-point difference on three-pointers is massive. Like, you don't overcome that huge of a difference. I think that was a Miami franchise record for three-pointers. The Bucks missed 12 free throws. And Duncan and, and Drogic have 49 points between them. And to still win anyways, despite all that, like, that's, that's everything we're looking for from this team. And not just in the series. Like, that, this game made me feel even better about my Bucs position in the series. But it also made me feel like, okay, this is a team that, like, really we have to take seriously now. The, the, the way that we have been able to, you know, maybe to, to not believe in them. Because what we've seen in, in past years we started to see some answers to those things too. Even another thing I noted, and granted, there were overtime here, but look at the minutes for those Bucks players. Giannis played 45, Middleton 44, Holiday 42. Even take away the five minutes of overtime, that's still more minutes than these guys were getting last year. We keep yelling, like, stop playing them 30 minutes. It's the playoffs. And we saw the urgency. We saw the minutes. Um, and, and even with all the misses and everything else, yeah, I, I wrote the preview for the game tonight, and I, I agree with what you guys both said. I'm in on the box. I, I looked at the over as well, Matt, and I could see like uh, I could see taking both. You know, you play at some books, the, the Bucs uh, to cover and the over. I preferred just the bucks to cover because I just feel very good about them tonight and in the series. But yeah, Miami is not like. Look, it, I'm not saying this is going to be a sweep. Miami is not going to roll over. You know, this is going to still be a dog fight, and they're going to have to really earn it but I think they're going to
2: earn it. I think, you know, we should have preface, I should have prefaced this more before we got into it. it. It's always very tempting to look at game ones and go like, that's how the series is going to go. Like this, we do this every year, which is so like through the rest of this podcast, I'm going to be looking for other positions. Like I'm looking for opposite spots. The reason this one is, is because this one felt like it could have been a loss like that, in, that if they had mm. lost this one, even in overtime, a close game, coin flip, whatever, if they had lost this one, I'm like, all right, like they're mm-hmm. back to where like, like you, they have the same problems. The heat response is going to be like, look, Bam had a horrible game, like Bam was terrible. Now I will admit this. I think Bam Adebayo is a really good player. He's very versatile. He does a lot. When people talk about him as like a star is where I start to be like, okay, let, let's, let's, mm-hmm. nah, let's settle down a little bit here. Cause like, he's not a guy that you can go to and just be like, Hey, we we need you to carry us for five minutes offensively. Like, you know, Dragic is resting. Jimmy is resting. You're out there with the reserves. Can you carry us for just like, can you get us through four minutes offensively? That's, that's not a thing Bam can do. Bam did have an objectively bad game. Butler had just as bad of one. Now Mm. Butler's going to have a massive game in this series. He might have two, right? I think that that's, that's, that's likely Butler shot four of 22. Like if you're the heat, if you're a Heat fan, you're screaming at this podcast right now, going like, "Jimmy Butler shot 422, and we almost won in overtime." So I think that yeah. that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you have to look at the personnel that that my that Milwaukee has, and like, here's the big thing: the the Bucks are designing their their system to be like, we want to shut down Bam, we want to shut down Jimmy, and then like, honestly, I was surprised they let Duncan Robinson get as open as they did. Like that first that first quarter, I was losing my mind. I was like. You're dropping versus Duncan Robinson. They're running DHOs. What are you doing? Uh, And I still think that's going to be a problem. They switched him in the second and third a lot more. They showed different looks, which was really interesting because I felt like late in the game, even though Robinson hit a big shot, it did mess with the heat because the heat were like, we don't know what to expect coming off of this. This is the biggest thing I have with drop. If you play it all the time, whether it's in in dribble handoff or pick and roll action – those guys, if they know it's coming, they're just going to fire. Like, you tell a shooter, you come off the screen, you're going to have a look. Be ready. They're, they're good. They're confident. They're in rhythm. But if they're like, I, you get, you're get, you going to have to read it. They might switch it. They might be up on you. You might have to reset. They did enough of that in order to really mess them up. Um, if mm. Let me ask you this, Raheem. If we're wrong, and the Heat win game too, how much does that change where we're at right now?
4: Um, I think the, I think it depends on how they win it. Um, I think, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. But I do think, see, I don't think I don't think the Bucks are scared of this team this year. Like I think if they would have lost this game last year, you know, maybe it, you know, swings things with the Heat going home. But I really don't think we're gonna be wrong. Um, actually, I looked in the, the Bet Labs database um, because I, I wrote my best bet on this game. Top three seeds that don't cover game one are forty six, thirty four, and four. That's nearly fifty eight percent. The Bucks, the Nuggets, the Sixers, and the Jazz—they all fit this trend. When I look at the Bucks, they're the best team on here. Is that, so that's game two. That's in game two. So I, I, when I when I look at the Bucks, they're the best team on here. I think the the one thing is the Heat aren't a great rebounding team either. So I think the Bucks are going to have more possessions. I think in this this first game, they—I mean—they dominated. What do they have? They have um, 15 offensive rebounds. They had offensive rebound rate of nearly 30%. So it's just like. In any games they're played, they're going to always have more possessions, more cracks at it. As long as they get a, a normal shooting percentage, I, I don't see them losing this game.
2: I'm looking it up. I, I, uh, I pulled this yesterday looking at how teams do um, if they win and don't cover for the series. Mm-hmm. Since 2001, top four seeds to win game one but not cover – are 23 and one to win this on on the series win. So now if you're looking at that and you're like, well, what, like, what does that matter? Okay. Here's the the concept. The reason I wanted to look at it was this, you took their best shot and you still got the win.
3: Yeah.
2: Like that's, that's the, that's the formula is like they threw the kitchen sink at you. You struggled, you won, you didn't cover as a favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the the Heat were right there in overtime and didn't get it. Now the Heat team is tough as nails. I still think that this is very doable. Um, I again, I think that when you look at the series price on BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, at plus three twenty, I can't deny like this is one of those things where yes, there's value there. I still don't want to bet it, right? Like I don't want to bet Heat plus three twenty to win the series. Um, I also don't want to pay like right now the, the Bucks line has moved to Bucks minus one and a half is minus two twenty five on the series spread. Like that's too much juice for me to lay right now. Even with the idea of like, cause like I can see the heat definitely getting this to seven. I can absolutely see Milwaukee winning game two and then the heat taking two back and this going seven. I can also see uh, Milwaukee losing game two, coming back and winning game three. And this like, there's a lot of ways I can see this going seven I don't think the series is settled, but I do think that if you're looking for what the trend is, where the momentum is, this was a more important game one than some of the other ones, which is why I want to talk about it first. Yeah. Um, go I, ahead, think you,
3: um, yeah I, I came into this series just very worried that the heat, were not going to be able to score enough. And what I saw in game one feels like that reinforced that to me. Like mm-hmm. it, it, took the heat hitting 23 pointers and Duncan Robinson having what will likely be his biggest game of the series. Dragic maybe his biggest game of the series. And like you said, Matt, you know, uh, Heat fans are going to say, okay, but bam and Butler aren't going to shoot that poorly again. So first of all, Butler shot two of nine on threes. That nine is a problem. You don't want Jimmy Butler shooting nine threes. Milwaukee wants Jimmy Butler shooting nine threes. Yeah. He shot 102 threes the entire season. That's a win for Milwaukee if he's taking nine threes because that means we're searching for answers. I'm not getting my looks. I'm just going to get a three up here. That's not Jimmy Butler basketball, and also the Bucks were the number two defense in the season against uh, on two percent two point percentage. So the Heat are probably not going to shoot thirty three percent every game. They're very good at twos, but they're like, it's a problem that that's what they want to do and that's what the Bucks defend so well. And I thought I thought that Bam looked a little bit passive out there at times the way that they're defending him like he, he he didn't have the right answers offensively and yeah i just i think to me what's interesting is we can you know we can say oh, well how will we feel if the heat win this game to me more interesting is how would i have felt if the heat had won game 1 which they very well could have you know any number of bounces they could have won it was right there and i think i would be sitting here today saying okay double down in the box like I still saw all the things that I saw The Milwaukee had it right there. They should have got it, but there are a lot of good things to believe in here. That mental edge wouldn't still be the same. That was really big to get the win, but the things we saw for for 53 minutes still would have been there. So I just think Milwaukee's in shape.
2: I mean, I think for me, I, I'm not with you on that, and the reason is, I, I think that you can get too far down the process hole and and ignore the narrative impact that it has on player performance. Like, if you came that close and you still couldn't get it done, the heat, the Bucks are walking out being like, they just got our number, man. We just get, like no matter what, we just That's can't true. get past him. But I will say this. Mm-hmm the heat hit 23 if you told me the Heat hit 23 pointers and told me guess the give me the over under on uh the heat offensive rating over under 109 i've been like over no, they hit 23s what, what are we talking about here the heat had a 97.3 offensive rating in this game like that's berserk <laughs> that's wild that they hit 23s and finished with a 97.3 offensive rating so um That's where we're at on Heat Bucks. Let's go to the second most interesting game of the weekend.
0: The Dallas Mavericks at the L.A. Clippers.
2: I was so nervous with the fact that I kept being like, I just think the Mavericks, I, I just like the Mavericks in this spot. Like, I just, I can't tell you why. I just, it felt, my gut was telling me that. And then when I dug in, everything reinforced it. The Mavericks get the win in game one over the Los Angeles Clippers. Luka Doncic absolutely just burns staples to the ground uh, in game one. Absolutely incredible performance by him. Not only only scoring, he was 0-5 in the fourth quarter, but made the passes that he needed to make. And that was absolutely huge. So... Series prize at MGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Clippers minus one forty-five, Mavericks plus one twenty to win the series. Series spread: Clippers minus one and a half is plus one eighty. Mavericks plus two and a half is minus eight hundred. Mavs plus one and a half basically go to seven or 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 win is minus two twenty-five. Um, so. Brandon, let's start with you. Where are you at on Clips Mavericks going forward? So
3: of all eight series this weekend, this is the one that I am most rethinking where I'm at and, and most on the edge of switching. And, and I said Clippers before the series. I didn't feel I, I didn't feel like Dallas was good enough. Um, I said that Doncic was going to have to be the best player in the series and probably by a decent margin. And then he was in game one, he was the best player on the court and he dominated and, you know, and they suddenly got, you know, four threes from, from Finney Smith and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Hitting threes, but like, that's what Dallas does. They suddenly make all these threes. And a weird thing for me is I came away feeling like, like I don't necessarily come away thinking, okay, Dallas maybe can do this now because here's what I saw in game one, as much as Dallas can maybe do this, they're up one, nothing. And they had a chance to do it anyways. Now they only have to win three out of the next six and they get three of them at home. Like that's just, the math has swung a little bit in their favor. And I, I guess mostly what I saw in this game is I, I feel like I saw the Clippers team that I have feared putting my faith in all year, which is, it's a high variance team. And if the shots don't fall, I just don't know what I'm getting from them. And the shots didn't fall in game one. The Mavericks are that also. So that's the problem here. The Mavericks shot did fall. So I like, I, in looking at this series going in, I remember looking at their the three times they played in the season and just throwing them all out because it was like, oh, it's just shooting variance. Like, you know, one team, well, the first game, wasn't it that the game where Dallas was up like 77 to 25 at halftime early in the year? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Clippers made like four of 30-something threes. And I was like, ah, shooting variance. The problem is that's what both of these teams are, is shooting variance. Uh-huh. And that's my fear with the Clippers is like you're just going to keep playing with fire. And what happens when the shooting variance doesn't go enough and now you're down 0-1? So from a betting standpoint, my biggest takeaway from this game actually was the pace. The pace was 85.6 in this game. So the game ended at 113 to 103, but only because the Mavericks made so many of their threes. The problem, so, so the pace being that low makes me think I'm looking for an under, and the, the total has dropped a little bit from game one. The problem is you got the shooting variance. So what happens if the Clippers only make all their threes or whatever? But with a pace that low, you're going to have to really make a lot of shots to get the over. That's dangerous with these teams, but I think that's the angle I'm taking away. But... Dallas feels not far off from the Clippers
2: and they're up a game and they're plus odds. I have to take a look. A couple of things here. So one, one thing that kind of clicked for me and I didn't really come on. I was cause I'm like rethinking everything, right? Like, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in, the, like, I went ahead and I bet Mavericks plus two and a half. I went ahead and went in. I was like, okay, like, this is what the analysis says on Friday night. I'm like rethinking everything. And I'm like, am I going to, am I going to regret this? Like, do I need to cash this out? Like, what, like, what am I doing? Um, and then this, this thought came across my head. I was like, all year long, we've been unimpressed with the Mavericks personnel. What if this Mavericks personnel is better suited for playoff environment? What if these guys are better suited for 16 games? Josh Richardson looked a lot better in a playoff environment. Slithery one-on-one basketball, tight sequences, chasing over screens. Kleber looked really good in a playoff environment. Dorian Finney-Smith hit the biggest shot of the game. And he's been a good shooter this year. And he's a big wing that can guard versus like, I'll say this, like, this is the biggest problem. Everyone wants it. Like, okay. So here's a narrative coming out of game one. They asked Kawhi about like, do you feel like you need to guard Luka Doncic? He's like, I think you're going to see a lot more of what you're talking about in game two. Okay. That's great. Kawhi. Here's the problem. It's pick and roll. You can't guard both guys. They're not going to be able to put him on, like, you can guard him. You can put Kawhi on, like, Kleba, theoretically, or Porzingis. But, like, Kawhi does not want to bang down low. Like, that is not a thing that he wants to do. He doesn't want to handle a big guy all that long. He didn't want to guard Luka because that's too exhausting for him, having to get over those screens. Like, Mm -hmm. so the problem was Luka waited it out. They have good enough screen setters the Clippers were like, all right, we're switching this. And then Zubac is on him in space. And that is barbecue chicken. Like I've been on this train forever. Evita Zubac is a very nice 82 game center. Very nice player. Good touch. Rebounds. Contains in space. Very nice player. This is not a guy you can be like, hey, I need you to go out there and switch on to Luka Doncic. like, my this is my biggest thing in this series. If you want a reason to bet the Mavericks, this is it. Coaches never want to make the first adjustment. Like they'll always tell you that. They never want to get away from what they do. They want to get away from the game plan. It one, it rattles the team because they know like the coaches shook. We're in trouble. Like it does. It rattles through. As much as this is a players league, if the coach is like, okay, we're abandoning what we're doing. Avita Zubac played 20 minutes, guys. The starting center for the Los Angeles Clippers, the big guy that they're trusting. 20 minutes for for Lu to be like this isn't working we got to get small ball we got to switch everything oh god like that was a panic move they can go back to Zubac and drop with Kawhi coming off the top and that'll work better patrick beverly ain't it i'm sorry beverly's a good defender versus small guards you can't put him on a good dude as big as luka it just can't yeah. it's gonna have to be Kawhi coming over the top of that screen and getting into his body on the space when he gets, when he gets distance, you cannot leave him in one-on-one coverage versus Zubach. There is a, a lot of things with this Clippers team that just defensively, they are very well built to, to defend some teams. This Mavericks team is not one of them. And it, it's a huge issue for
4: me, Raheem. But I think one of the things that's going to save them is with them going small, poor Zingas needs to be able to play these small go- guys off the floor. Yeah. Like, we can't have Porzingis going head up against Marcus Morris and not being able to take a, take advantage of that matchup. Because I also think, and I also think he's a little bit of a liability on the other end if the Clippers are playing all of their wings. So I think that's, that's the big takeaway for me is, can KP play these wings off the floor and force them to play Zubac more, more minutes? If he can't, to me, the Clippers are going to win this series because they're going to get enough offensively to where I don't think the Mavericks are going to be able to outscore. I mean, we talked about the shooting variance. The Mavericks, they they shot 47% from three. Yeah, That was in the 90, percent percentile of all games this, this entire season. That's not going to happen. You know, the Clippers, they shot just 27% from three, and that's in the 22nd percentile of all games. And if you look at this game, you know, I took the Mavericks' money line. So it's just like I think you you provided me with some great insight last week when you said – I think you said the Mavericks play above their competition. And, you know, we've seen them drop games to the Grizzlies, but they've beaten the, they've beaten the big three Nets. Yeah. Like they actually – you know, they've beaten some really good teams. And, you know, I think the one thing that people forget about the Clippers is that they're coming into this postseason the same way they did last year. Kawhi Leonard has, you know, he, he's had a hurt hand. You know, the starters really haven't played. They tanked the last two games. So this team didn't have a lot of rhythm coming into the to the first game. So I'm looking at it like, you know, this is a, a prime spot for them. to still a game. But I think if the Clippers can really trap Luka and force some of the other guys to make plays, I think they have an advantage. So I personally, I took the Clippers to win the series at minus 145. I, I think the Clippers win this this series. I, I just yeah. I don't see the Mavericks continuing to score in this manner. Like, and even even in that first game, the Clippers took the lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, through all that that great shoot shooting, the Clippers were right there. So I, I think the Clippers still win.
2: So for me, I'm on Clippers game two. They're they're not going down 0-2. Like, I'll, I'll go ahead. Like it's Clippers minus six. I think that like this is a lot of it is. Uh, if it's a, it, I trust the, the, the Clippers have a much better chance to blow them out. Like the Mavericks are not going to blow out the Clippers, I don't think, in any game this series. Like they, they are a better team. Fourth quarter. Okay. Kawhi Leonard is one of four for three points. I keep saying this. I keep saying yeah. it. I wish people would listen to me. It's great that he had the 2013 and 2014 Spurs with three Hall of Famers to hold his ass up. It's great. That in 2019 he had an already built Raptors team without LeBron James, still needed a four bouncer, and then for KD and Clay to get hurt for him to win another title, neat. I do not trust him as a closer. I do not. I'm not saying he's not clutch. I'm saying that he does not lift the entire team up. Like he is just not that dude. Like he might he'll have a game. But I I think that that reputation of him always closing is overstated. Uh, right. My my question for you is. You got it at one forty five. Do you think that that is better than what you would get after game three? I'm gonna wait. I think the Mavericks win game three, and then I'm taking the Clippers.
4: Ooh. See, I don't know. I mean, what would I'm trying to think? See, I don't. I, I just I can see the Clippers winning two straight. I, I just I think they're. I, I don't want to risk it because I, I know. I can, if I take it think, well, down. Here's, here's my question. Do you think they win the next three? I don't know about that. that okay. That's a good point. So,
2: so here's the thing. If they win the next, if they don't win the next three, all right, then this is at least going to be 2-2. Two, two. They have to pull that number down from 145 to yep. closer to, a, to a lower number. So like that's where I'm at. Is I'm like, the Mavericks got that first one. they got the split. I do not mm-hmm. expect the Mavericks to lose. If I'm wrong, I'm going to miss out on the value. Okay. Yeah. So you're just like I want to make sure I get value on the Clippers to win the series and take the 145 now. But
4: yeah.
2: My thought is they're not going to win both. The Clippers are not going to win both in Dallas. So this mm-hmm. is at worst 2-2. Right? Like mm-hmm. I am well, what I want is I want Mavericks Clippers in team 2, Mavericks in game 3, hype crowd, etc. And then I bet the Clippers and the Clippers can win. Then I think the Clippers can win the next 3. I think they can close them out in six, but taking it's going to take them some time to figure out how to, how to handle this matchup, Brandon.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, I think that that's a takeaway for me too is I, I just, I have a hard time seeing not just this matchup, but whoever the Clippers face, I feel like if I pick the Clippers, I'm always going to pick them in six or seven. Like it doesn't, They don't seem like a team to me that you're going to be like, oh, that matchup? Yeah, Clips and five. They got this. I just don't Mm -hmm. see that team. And so I guess what what I'm wondering, so Raheem, you've been our Clippers guy. You've written about them multiple times. You got money on them, I know. So you've also been someone that has talked about like the attrition factor and the long series building up. And I feel like that's what's happening. You know, it it seems like that's what's going to be building with the Clippers, is they're going to start to get these long series. I also am worried about, you know, the big addition, the big change this year was supposed to be Serge Ibaka. He's ready for all the playoff minutes. He's not Montrezl Harrell. He played 13 minutes off the bench, and he's been, like, injured this whole stretch down the end. The point Mm -hmm. guard problem, we still haven't solved it. Rondo and Beverly and Jackson all basically, like, split minutes. And
2: Rondo um, was good, though. Yeah. It
3: was good, but then why are you splitting the minutes between the three? It's like, like in, in college football, you used to have these teams that would play two quarterbacks. It's like, oh, we got this guy that can do this thing, and this one, this, this thing. Like, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. It's like, who's the point guard? If Rondo is good, okay, great, play off Rondo. We've seen it. So then I want to see him play like 25, 30 minutes, not rotating with Reggie Jackson mm-hmm. and the corpse of Patrick Beverly. So it's like, yeah. R- Raheem, h- how do you still feel that good about your Clippers futures when we're seeing the attrition thing building up? The Ibaka man is not there. The point guard problem is still there. These are the things that I worried about all last year, and I don't feel like they've been solved
4: yet. I think I'm, the point guard issue doesn't bother me as much as the center issue. Um, I thought Serge Ibaka would be an impact player. And then of course he went down and he's never really found it. So that's an issue for me. Um, like, the question I have for Matt is how many adjustments do the Clippers have left if KP can start scoring on these wings?
2: My bigger thing is, you know, you mentioned like, who are the other guys? If you take the ball out of Lucas' hands, who are the other guys? Jalen Brunson. Like Jalen Brunson, who might be the sixth man of the year uh, behind Joe Ingles, who might be the sixth man of the year behind Mm -hmm. Jordan Clarkson. So (laughs) I I think, Uh, They have all these options. I will say that KP is my like big concern point. They, I think that here's the thing though, Raheem with that. If it's, if it's KP scoring turnaround fadeaways on you, you're going to lose anyway. Like you live with it. Anything KP does, that's not the, the dunk off of putting like, that was the problem is when they in the fourth quarter, the the Clippers were like, all right, nothing else has worked. Let's blitz him. Let's put two on ball versus Luca. And I was like, you don't want to do that. He's too good a passer. That's not the move. And and KP slips it for a dunk. So then they bring the help over. They're like, all right, (laughs) we're going to blitz Luca. We're going to bring the help over and meet KP at the rim. And Luca's like, I'm just going to pass to the opposite corner. I'm one of the best reverse ball passers in the league. Dorian Finney-Smith wide open for three. Like... But yeah. You have got to play him one-on-one and you got to figure out how you're going to do that. That's like step one in this entire problem is you got to figure out how you get to play. Like, I'm sorry, you, you added Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you kept Patrick Beverly and you touted the fact, you're like, who's going to score on us with all these perimeter defenders? Well, the answer has been Luka Doncic tearing you to pieces. So you better figure out a way for all those great defenders to actually defend the key guy you got to defend. And that means figuring out how to, how to negate that pick and roll.
1: This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, plus they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your Action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now, back to the show.
2: Let's go on because we're running over. A little bit faster. A little, little bit faster now. It's like shout, right? Like A little bit faster now.
0: The LA Lakers at the Phoenix Suns.
2: This is the one I missed on. Uh, I bet the Lakers on the money line at minus 102. I bet the Lakers live when they were down as soon as Chris Paul got hurt. A couple of interesting... There's a lot of interesting stuff in the, in uh, as far as the, the betting perspectives. The first thing I'll say is... Um, the series price for this series, I have to look it up because my MB, and that MGM official odds provider of the action network podcast, uh, reset because it logs you out after a certain amount of time. Um, it, well, let's go to this for game two. We'll talk about the series price in meant for game two. Um, Raheem, you said open one Lakers minus one and a half. No, uh, I
4: see, I saw, I saw it at suns minus one and a half yesterday. That's so where. Um, okay. I'll tell you this, everywhere else it
2: opened Lakers minus two. So this is I have I have calls about this out this morning, and I'm trying to figure this out. Like we'll have a story up on Action Network by the time you read this. The Suns were dogs in game one. Were, no, I'm sorry, the Suns were favorites in game one. They were two point favorites. They win, they cover, they're still at home. This line has moved four points it's Lakers minus two and you go, Oh, but the Chris Paul injury, Chris Paul, the thing you learn when you start doing this immediately is almost no player is worth four points to the spread. Not even LeBron like LeBron, I think is about three, three and a half. So yeah. Chris Paul is definitely at this point in his career, not four. And you go, maybe it's the Aton suspension for the altercation. That would make sense. If there's an expectation that both Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton are going to be out. Okay. But, like, we haven't heard anything about that yet. And it's a presumption by the books at that point. Like, I was – I mean, I was floored when I saw that line. Like, again, right now, at all the books, we're looking at – I'm going to check our Action Network uh, labs, which you can check. uh, You can find at actionnetwork.com. Right now, the Lakers on the spread are minus two at at, at a lot of books. They're minus one and a half at a few. Some of those have, have moved. I am telling you, yesterday, yesterday afternoon, it was minus two and a half for the Lakers after the Suns win and cover Raheem. Yeah, how?
1: Um,
4: I mean, when you look at that first quarter, the Suns had an offensive rating of one thirty three. They were scoring at will. Chris, I mean, even in the first half of that, the first six minutes of that second quarter before Chris Paul got hurt, they were scoring pretty efficiently, um, efficiently. Then after that, they have a 91 offensive rate in the second quarter, third quarter, 107, fourth quarter, 90. So the Chris Paul injury has – it really has meant a lot. Um, So I think that's where some of it is coming. But then, you know, some of it is just coming from Lakers betters who are just going to say, hey, the Lakers aren't going down to 2 So for me, I think you kind of have to be looking suns or pass – now, if Chris Paul isn't himself, I don't know how you can back the Suns. I mean, the the, the Lakers were like, at one point, they were pretty much du- – they were giving so much respect to Devin Booker that it, it just was unreal. Like, I mean, they were doubling him. I just – like, I, I loved the Suns yesterday just because I felt like the Lakers' offense was going to struggle, um, and of course it did. I mean, this Lakers' offense, they had an offense they, – they scored 90 points. <laughs> so it's just – I mean this this Suns defense that we've been talking about slipping for a while they have really shown that they can actually defend and then I don't understand why Andre Drummond is playing so many minutes. I mean it's, it's probably some politics but when you look at the Nets they appear to be managing their locker room a lot better. I mean Deandre Jordan's getting um um did not plays while you know Nicholas Claxton is playing. You know, De- I mean Andre Drummond He's a a liability on defense. and He's a liability on offense. So until they manage that, I think they're at a disadvantage. Like, Gasol should be getting these minutes.
2: Brandon, the series price is now even about MGM. It's minus 110 both ways. Let's pick them, okay? You're not getting getting either side plus money. Which, like, here's one of my problems, Raheem. That's a book begging me to take the Lakers. Yeah, exactly what it is. is. Like putting this even, they're like, wait, 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 I get even money on the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, only down one, zero, one. Come on now, but so like, there's just a bunch of stuff about that. Like, this is the thing: is like that game two line screams like, oh, we're we're telling you the Lakers are gonna win this game. The series line is like, oh, please take the Lakers, please, please take the Lakers, please. Um, Chris Paul's injury, like it's likely a stinger. Unless he's got nerve damage, which seems like it would be a weird freak injury. I'm not counting out that it can't happen for Chris. But I feel like there's a pretty good <laughs> chance he's going to be okay by Tuesday. Um, here's the other thing, uh, Raheem. You said like, oh, the Lakers aren't going to go down 0-2. Let's, let's flip this because we understand that the seven versus two, this is an uncommon occurrence. Yeah. If the first two games, we're in, were in L.A. Would you be like, it's totally reasonable to expect the Suns to defend home court and win both of theirs at home? Because, yeah, like I would say, totally. like, yeah, like this could absolutely be a 2-2 series after four. Like just. TV oh, yeah. TV. Without a
4: doubt. Yeah. So like, like, honestly, be, if,
2: that's if big Chris cure. Paul
4: didn't get hurt, right. I would I would be all over the, the Suns again. OK, Brandon, I think that's my only concern. Brandon, is this a trap? Like That's what I'm basically asking you is like, is this a trap?
3: Yeah. Cause it's LeBron. LeBron is always a trap. <laughs> it's it. Yeah. I, it feels like a trap. It looks like a trap. Like if, if I trusted Chris Paul to be healthy, then like I, I took, I, I picked Lakers in, in seven in the series. I, I've railed on the Lakers. I don't trust this team. And I I think the Suns are the better team, but I just couldn't pick against LeBron when it came down to it in a game seven. And it was close, though. And from what I saw yesterday, if Chris Paul was healthy still, may have been enough to to swing that for me. But Chris Paul is so good and such a significant player. And, like, this is not new, unfortunately. The poor guy has, like, made a deal with the devil to be, like, the most efficient point guard in the regular season in history in return for never, ever, ever staying healthy in the playoffs, ever in his entire career. (laughs) It's terrible. It's so unlucky. But, like, what's wild to me is, is the narrative coming into the series was, okay, well, okay, the Suns are good, but they're young. They haven't been here before. They're yeah. going to be ready for the moment. Mm-hmm. We watched the game, and one team played with urgency. They played poised like a veteran team. The coaching was better. The rotations were right. The other team was the Lakers. You know, like, the Suns played like the – defending champions yesterday the team that like looked like they had all the answers and knew what they're doing and were ready for the moment the sun's minutes were up like they they shortened the rotation everything you want to see from the Suns, other than the chris paul injury ayton was Mm -hmm. great ayton like stood up anthony davis who looked just checked out booker was awesome and and stepped up in all the ways that we have all assumed he could in the playoffs with his difficult shot making mikhail bridges was really good Cam and Cam are great off the bench. Everything you want to see from the Suns, we saw in this game. I just don't know about Chris Paul. And the, the, the trappiness of the line swing is so scary that I don't know that I can pick them. But, man, you got to feel good about the Suns if, if they have the clean bill of health enough to yeah. go
2: forward. See, now I feel like I, I feel like this is a, like the trap is they're telling you to bet the Lakers. Like the, the books are asking you to bet the mm-hmm. Lakers. The, the 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 books have put the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers only down 0-1 with LeBron James and Anthony Davis at minus 110. Like, are we going to see the Lakers at minus 110 for the rest of the playoffs if they win this series? Like, so like that's like a like that's a. Yeah. If they lost game one to the Clippers, would the Clippers be better than minus 110? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. So, so, so like, it's, like, this is a this is a weird spot. Now, I have to take, like, a half-victory lap. I don't get to, like, fully do the whole lap around because I couldn't pull the trigger on, on Suns to win the series. I stayed away from the series spread. Um, I did bet... A little. I took a small on, like, Suns plus two and a half at a big juice number. Mm-hmm. I did, however, on Twitter on Friday. I got a lot of shit for this. I said, I was like, look, I understand it's the Lakers and they're going to win. They're, like, the better team. It's the Lakers, etc." What's bad about this matchup? And I mm-hmm. literally got, like, LOL, are you serious? With the Lakers' front court is so much better. And I was like, this is not a bad matchup for DeAndre Ayton. Like, Putting Aiton in space, like, the Mavericks, that's a bad matchup for him. Having to chase Luka Doncic around. Like, mm-hmm. you're not worried about Dennis Schroeder. Everything else is, like, way up at the front. And then it's like, well, what about AD? It's like, AD is not going to power dunk over DeAndre Aiton. That's not his game. Okay? He wants to take soft little soft little turnarounds in the post. Little turnarounds. Face up and little jumpers. And when it's falling like it did last year in the playoffs, he looks like he gets called, quote, unquote, the best big man in the league get out of here with that yeah and the rest of the time it's just like he's just a jump shooter so i i look he's a really great player he can have a ba- he, I expect him to have a bounce back in game mm. two hit some shots in the pick and roll which is where they got him going a little bit in the second quarter in the third that was a mm. lot better like that's where you want him but the lakers mm. with the lack of an actual point guard to be able to navigate against this i think is big Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to wait on Chris Paul before you look at that, that game, too. Uh, well, mm, okay. I'll go
4: ahead and tell you. I bet Lakers game, too. Let's <laughs> go ahead and bet.
0: <laughs> okay. And but, yeah, I, I was
4: going to ask, how much is what we saw in game one just your typical LeBron game one right. as a football Like I, I look at LeBron almost as if he's like the Floyd Mayweather of the NBA. But and here's, I say okay, that in here, a sense. Here's, here's that, the problem. Here's the problem. That's like the narrative because that's how it feels when you watch
2: him. Like I was talking to Stucky yeah. this weekend, he was and like he had a guy that was doing the research. And it's like statistically, LeBron's lines don't deviate that much in game one. And historically, they're actually like they're not that bad, especially game one yeah. of a first round series. Like the performance, like he doesn't he lost last year to a Blazers team, which like okay, fine. Right. Like we could we could literally yeah. throw that game out. That game, that team was trash. Um yeah. so like if if I, I don't know how much that was. I, I'll say it like I bet Lakers in this one because to me the fact that this line flipped this much I couldn't ignore it and I was just like I can't like very seriously I was like I know this is a bad process like Raheem what's your model have this at you had Lakers minus one and a half that right
4: no um I have I have the Suns as favorite
2: okay so like this being that far off what this screams is like oh you should take the Suns like this is like this is three points off of the off of the model. I've seen too often these things go the other way. I want to be on the side of the books. And the books are basically like again, the books are begging you to take the Suns in game two. They're like, you get you get the home team up one oh in game two as a dog. So I'm betting Lakers again. I'm willing to be wrong on it. Um, we'll see how this one goes. This is a perplexity series so far.
4: See, see, I would agree with you there. But, I mean, Sports Insight is showing 67% of the money and 68% of the, the, the spread action on the Lakers. Yep. So, so it, it feels like, you know, when some of those offshore books opened one and a half, it seems like the market actually took it to where it currently sits now. Yeah. So it's just I'm, – I'm struggling with it. It's a stay away yeah. from me. And I got to see if Chris is healthy. I also need to see – I really need to see if – Vogel is actually going to stop playing Drummond. Uh
2: spoiler <laughs> alert, he won't. I'll just go ahead and let me go ahead and tell you that one right now. It's not happening. It's got and like this is not about how good of a coach Frank Vogel is. Like that that ain't it. I'm just going to tell you Andre Drummond's is going to continue to play. That's not it, yeah. it ain't about Frank Vogel. Andre Drummond. So I be
4: mean, I mean if he's going to he, he's going to play and Chris Paul is can be himself then I think you almost got to – you got it. this is a six and seven game series where the Suns could actually win this
2: at the U.S. books. Um, it did open. It's open. Lakers. Lakers is a favorite all over the place. The lowest. It, yeah. And so I don't know. It's perplexing. We'll wait and see what happens after game two. We'll have more to say on Thursday's episode of this podcast.
0: The Atlanta Hawks at the New York Knicks.
2: Hawks-Knicks, absolutely incredible game. 100% amazing. Just absolutely berserk. I love the position I'm at right now. I think this is going to be a long series. The Knicks, I think, are going to win game two. I love the Knicks in game two. This, like, everything we saw about this series, where we thought it was like, it's a coin flip, it's going to go long. This is exactly what it looks like. Knicks could have won that game. Trey Young with an absolutely marvelous shot. Like, I think that the Knicks can have better performances from Julius Randle.
0: Julius Randle.
2: The Hawks probably have more upside. Like if you want to lean in a direction, it's like the Hawks might actually take care of this because they might just be better. Like they just might be a better team. That's like the only thing you can come out of it, but I don't want to overreact to game one too much because the Knicks still took the lead after the Hawks led for most of that game. They came back and took the lead in the fourth before they answered and Trey hit the game winner and shushed MSG, which was amazing. Such a good villain. Um, Brandon, very quickly, is there any sort of like position on this series? Like, I like the Knicks a lot in game two. I don't think they're going down 0-2. Like, that's one I will go ahead and say. I think that that's like a, a pretty reliable spot is to say that the that the the Knicks will not go down 0-2 at home. The series spread on this. Um, the lines, rather, are I'm almost there. There's so many series in the NBA. Okay. Uh, Knicks plus 230 to win the series now. Hawks minus 275. That's a bit of a swing, I think.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a very big swing for what was <clears throat> a very coin flip first game that could have easily gone either way, and yeah, I, I think we all we all thought this was going to be a long tough battle, and I think we now think it's going to be a long tough battle. Like <laughs> this, what we saw in game one was awesome. I hope it is a long tough battle. I would love to see a game seven in the Madison Square Garden give me that atmosphere again, like Spike Lee on the sideline, jumping up and down. Like we're back. We are back. This is the NBA again. And it was awesome. Trey young is that dude, 32, seven and 10, the game winning floater, just like roasted two guys off the dribble, shushed the crowd. Trey young got nine free throws. That's a good sign for him. We didn't know if he's going to be able to to draw that many. uh, When he got there, only two turnovers is another great sign for him. Um, So, I liked Atlanta a lot coming to this series. I like what I saw here. I thought this should have been a Knicks win. I thought it was like Trey Young was huge late. Some of his passing and his reads to set guys up. And like, it wasn't just that shot at the end. Like he was the engine that was keeping them in. You know, like The Knicks with a few minutes left looked like they were kind of pulling away. And the crowd was going nuts. And we cut to commercial as they're panning over the crowd. And I thought that was curtains for, for a young Hawks team. And Trey made the plays hitting his shooters. And, and they came back. One thing that, I, that I'm that i going to have to pay attention to is that – and this is not new. I didn't learn this. But the Knicks are starting like two of their best five because you get to the end of the game and Derrick Rose is out there. Duh. Not Alfred Payton. But they're still going to start Alfred Payton. They're still going to play him eight minutes anyways because why not throw away eight minutes? Let's just play Alfred Payton. Taj Gibson is out there at the end because it's Tibbs and it's his guys. He's going to play his guys. And then, like, I don't know, I'd probably rather play Quickly or Burks out there as well. They both look good in game one. So, what are you doing? Playing two of your best five, starting them, and it's Tibbs. It's not like he's going to make an adjustment at this point. Like, this is not what he does here. So, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about, like, a first quarter. Like, you're putting yourself in a hole right away by playing Alfred Payton out of the gate. Like, for why? So, Derek Rose can come off the bench, so he can be the sixth man? I, I don't know. So... Yeah, one, one other thing that I saw in this game that surprised me, the Hawks threw out a lineup at one point that was Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, and John Collins. Like the all-offense, who really gives a rip about defense lineup. And they only played seven minutes, but they had a, a plus 56.3 per 100 net rating in those seven minutes. Now, obviously, small sample size. And obviously, you can't play those guys in the wrong matchups. I don't know if there is the wrong matchup against the Knicks. Like, I think you can just try to outscore them. And even against the Sixers, if you can play that, if you get there and can play that matchup, play your all offense with Embiid not on the court and just try to just run and go crazy for a little bit, that's interesting. That's a lot of firepower. So Atlanta was intriguing coming in, and I feel more intrigued after what we saw. I feel like they're ready to, to do some things.
2: Okay, so Hawks... 4-2 4-2 is plus 325 uh, series spread Hawks minus one and a half. So that'd be a, like if they win 4-1, 4-0, 4-2 is minus 130. Does that intrigue you at all?
3: What's the number for that last one?
2: Minus one thirty for for Hawks series spread minus one and a half. So if they win, if they sweep them, win in five or win in six, as long as it doesn't go seven, yeah. Or the Knicks win, it's minus one thirty. So my
3: position on this, uh, my best bet from our Eastern Conference pod was Hawks in six, and I I still I don't think I want to take that Hawks minus one thirty because, like, look, we saw the game. This this is not going to be a sweep. These teams are too close for it to be a sweep. So that's out. So now we got Knicks, or now you got Hawks in 5. Well, that's a closeout game at MSG in 5. Mm. I like what I saw. I saw Trey Young step up. I still don't know that like that first closeout game for a young team on the road in that environment. I don't want to yeah. bet on that. That's true. So then you come back to Hawks mm. in 6. I don't want the Hawks in 7. You got the same closeout problem in a game 7. That's why to me I like the Hawks in the series and Hawks in 6 was the only pick that made sense for them to win the series. It was plus 490 before this series. So that's what I'm in at. 325 still seems pretty good to me. Like if, if you look at them and you like the series now, that seems like the spot that they would
2: get at. So I, I took a very complicated position on this. I took over five and a half at minus 200.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I did Hawks 4.3 and Knicks 4.3 with the over five and a half as my hedge. So basically, like, I'll break even if this series goes over five, over, uh, over five games. Uh, if it goes seven, I'm guaranteed a big payout. Um, that's still my position. I feel comfortable with that. I'll probably come back and hedge a little bit in game six if it gets there, um, just to ensure. But uh, in general, I feel pretty good about where we're at. I do like the Knicks, though, in game two, Raheem.
4: I'm a little concerned about the Knicks. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I think the return of DeAndre Hunter – it's been a game changer. I mean, it can't be overstated. Randall was six of 23 from the field. The Knicks got an amazing game from Alex Burke. I mean, yeah, 27 points, nine of 13. I mean, of course, he couldn't hit, you know, the potential game winner at one point. But I think the real concern is how do they slow down Trey Young in the pick and roll? Yeah. I think that's a real concern with, you know, some of the personnel that they have out there. And then, you know, also like Brandon said, if we're Payton starting, I mean, it's been a source of contention. I have, a, I'm in a group chat with a lot of um, Knicks fans and we, they've been saying it all year. Why is E for starting? So I think you can look towards Atlanta Hawks first, ha- I mean, first quarters at this point, you know, with them spotting the Hawks elite. I, I, I don't know if I want to be taking the Knicks at this point. I just, I, until they show me something on the pick and roll, um, stop and Trey, I, I'm concerned. And I know I said this was going to be a long series, but. Again,
2: I just think you got to look at, like, you can look at Alec Burks. You got to look at how bad Julius Randall was. And, like, I think Julius will play better. Like, maybe he's an an 82-game player, not 16. You know, we'll see in the series. But I feel like he can play better. I feel like um, Reggie Bullock can play better. They have guys that can play better. They got other guys to step up and have a shot. Um, I still like them in the series. Okay. Uh, Next one.
0: The Memphis Grizzlies at the Utah Jazz.
2: Uh, I'm going to put these shades on because the future is so bright for my Memphis Grizzlies. So bright. (laughs) Oh, that's why you had the glasses. Okay. (laughs) So bright for the Memphis Grizzlies. Jaws 21, Jaren's 21, Dylan's 22. It's amazing. Uh, So, okay. I'm not going to like, I didn't make this an official pick. Okay. I did dabble in a series round Robin and I, I did not take a single jazz position and I did take a Jazz – or a Grizzlies plus 700 in a round robin series. So, look, I looked at this matchup. We talked about the other the other day. Um, we assumed last week the Warriors were going to win. Our bad. Like, we assumed that Steph Curry, you know, the most gravity blah, 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 blah was going to be able to carry his team and take care of business. And it, you know, it turns out you actually need to be able to make your teammates better.
0: Matt Moore hates Steph Curry.
2: And so the Grizzlies are now in the first round series. I like this matchup for the Grizzlies coming out the gate. I bet it took me a while. When they announced Donovan Mitchell was out, I raced and got, I got Grizzlies plus nine. Did not take them on the money line. So I will not victory lap over that. Um, Look, Utah's likely to get Donovan Mitchell back. And when they do, I think they're going to win the series. But that's like a contentious situation. There's some bad vibes there with the yeah. team being the team. Here, here's the other thing I'll say is like Rudy Gobert, like kind of talked about this about like you wake up and your best player's not going to play. kind of throws you off a bit. It's like, no, you are the one seed. You're the best defensive player in the league. Everyone touts you as like this analytical wonder when the game versus the eight, what are you doing? Don't fall over when Kyle Anderson shoves you like that was the worst flop I've ever seen. I will say this. The Grizzlies came into the Utah Jazz's house and punked them, punked them. Dylan Brooks came in and ran his mouth at you while, while leading the, both teams and scoring like Ja finished over Rudy for a huge bucket late. Like the jazz got punked. I don't want to hear any more nonsense about Rudy Gobert is the, is the Jazz's best player. Nonsense. They need Donovan Mitchell. They need him in the playoffs. I think when he gets back, they win. The series price is still obviously like you can't overreact to this one. You just can't. So, like, the Jazz are still minus 350. Um, you can get Jazz uh, minus two and a half at plus 250. That's for like basically reverse gentlemen's, right? They win the next four. Minus one and a half is minus 145. There's some value there. I'm probably just going to keep betting this game by game, Raheem, and I'm just going to, like, I'm going to look at the spot and see how it goes. I'm taking Utah in game two. I'm probably taking Memphis in game three.
4: Yeah, um, I, I think that's that's the right approach. I mean, the, the Jazz are laying too much juice to even, you know, consider yep. backing them. And I also think, I mean, one of the biggest things is we really have to know when Donovan Mitchell comes back because I think one of the, the biggest things that I've learned from this playoff series, it, I mean – from the first couple of playoff games is that you have to have shot creators and who's going to be able to break down a defense and create their own shot. And the best guy for them yesterday was Bogdanovich. Um, you know, he had a solid second half, but if you don't have those guys who can break down the defense and get your own shot, it's tough. Just having, you know, four guys who just launched threes. And, you know, I love Mike Conley, but I mean, John Morant looked like the best player on the floor. I mean, he got to the rim, And will, you know, he he, this is a team that you know relies on mid-range shots and floaters. And John Morant's floater was probably the best shot in the game yesterday. Floater City. (laughs) Until Mitchell comes back, I I would not be willing to, you know, back the jazz at this point.
2: Uh Brandon, where are you at? Because you this is one of the series that I believe you you said give me jazz minus 20 in game one was the thing that you said.
3: I did say that. I regret saying that. <laughs> Mistakes were made. <laughs> Mistakes were made. I uh, I put this one in on three units and on the app. To be fair, that was with Donovan Mitchell, not even on the injury report. What are we doing with this? Yeah. I would not have taken mm-hmm. them knowing that. But the, the big reason that I took them was like the big rest disadvantage that was supposed to happen. And instead the jazz came out and uh, they're coasting early. And I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, this will be fine. The jazz are still good. They had a great record this season, as long as one of Conley or Mitchell played. And then the second quarter started and the jazz just got bullied. Like the, the Grizzlies, the tired team that should have rolled over and been like, all right, you got us in game one. We're tired. We'll try again. Did the opposite. And they came out and just like punched them in the face repeatedly. And they just sat there and cried. And we're like, please stop. We don't know what to do. Like it to me, okay, look. A takeaway from this game is that the Jazz are better with their two best players on the court. Okay. Donovan Mitchell will play. Rita Gobert was in foul trouble. Gobert was plus nine in 25 minutes and minus 12 in 23 minutes off the court. I know the foul trouble, you know, might not go away. is gonna get to him, but like I'm not so worried about the series yet. And like, if you tell me Mitchell is just indefinite at this point, then maybe I change But the Jazz, Like, like, look, the, the jazz almost won this game. Still, mm-hmm. they shot, like, they were going like six of 31 on threes going to the fourth quarter. They didn't have a good go bear game. They had nothing for Mitchell and the, the Grizzlies did all the things we're talking about. And The jazz were still like, add one more minute to the end of the game and they might've finished the comeback and made another three there. I don't worry so much about the series what I worry about is I got like mad Milwaukee bucks vibes from the last couple of years yep. from this team mm-hmm. It was like, Hey, we're really good. We're just going to do what we do and it's going to work. We're just going to stay the course. Nope. And I don't feel like Snyder made a ju- adjustments. He didn't change the rotations that third quarter, Conley and mm-hmm. Gobert sat like the entire third quarter with foul trouble and they were just behind and just had no sense of urgency. They're just like, Oh, we'll just shoot threes. And Hopefully you'll stop punching us, and maybe we'll make some shots. So I, I, I picked the Jazz to make the finals. I regret <laughs> that immensely after yesterday. Like not because they're going to lose to the Grizzlies, but because, yeah, the things that you guys said all year about like, yo, this is a different team in the playoffs. That looked the part yesterday. Like the, all the stuff we said about the Bucks taking all the punches and then responding. That's the thing the Bucks didn't do the last couple of years. That's what I saw from the Jazz yesterday. It's troubling.
2: So I'm going to give Snyder a break here. You have to have the personnel to do it. This is the entire thing I've had with the Jazz. Your entire team is dependent on Rudy Gobert. Your entire scheme. Everything. Everything is dependent on Rudy Gobert. Okay. Well, what if Rudy Gobert isn't a difference maker? And you're going to say, like, well, he was a plus nine, Brandon just said. Here's an interesting one for you, Brandon. With Jonas Valanciunas on the court, Rudy Gobert was a minus two. With Rudy Gobert on the court and Jonas Valanciunas on the court, the Memphis Grizzlies had a 120 offensive rating, which means that with the foul trouble, if he's basically what happened was Rudy played awesome versus versus Xavier Tillman. That's what that came down to, is that he beat up on a young, <laughs> undersized guy. Good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked. You talked about like the shooting thing. So here, here's a big key because uh, you got to be consistent, right? Raheem and I both said like we don't expect the Bucks to shoot five of 31 in the next game it's not that we expect the bucks to shoot well because i do think that there is a problem with when you're a three-point volume team and teams expect it and they're closing out on you and it's different than it is in the regular season the rhythm's different that's when the backsides get tight right and that was a lot of what happened with the jazz is like you're 82 game shooters you are not 16 game shooters and like that's a problem like that's a big problem for them um now, the big key is like versus the eight seed, you're supposed to have it feel like a regular season game versus an eight seed in its first playoff appearance with a bunch of kids under 25, it definitely should be easy for you. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? I, I just I marvel at the fact that this team got punked that badly. Again, I think if you're looking for the spot to probably take the jazz in this series, it's after game three. Cause I think that the jazz come back and win game Two, the Grindhouse is nuts in game three, the jazz go down to one. And that's the point where I'm probably taking jazz because they should win this series yeah, still like Memphis got a monster a- performance from Dylan Brooks, who I love Dylan. I absolutely like, I don't buy jerseys anymore. Tempted to buy a Dylan Brooks jersey. He's my kind of <laughs> agitator, but, <laughs> but can't expect that kind of performance from him every single night. The Jazz uh, do have more weapons, et cetera. Um, so there's a spot to find them. I like the Jazz in Game too. but they are like if they screw around in this series, the Grizzlies are taking it. They are absolutely taking it. They better figure out that Donovan Mitchell stuff right now. It's, it's, um, well,
3: let's let's put some respect on Taylor Jenkins' name. Yeah, Taylor. that yeah. dude has shown up. Like he's been so good all last year and this year. He just knocked out Pop and knocked out Kerr on, you know, and knocked out Curry and Draymond and a great Warriors team. And now Snyder, like those are three very good coaches. And he just, he's got all these young guys. He's pulling all the strings. Like if, if this was college and not NBA, Taylor Jenkins would be like coaching in his last series. Cause he'd be about to get hired as the next coach of whatever, like the Lakers or the Bucks or whoever, like that, you know, the NBA doesn't do that. But like, if this was like the underdog team, he gets the big upset and then he'd be hired away to the big team waiting for him. Like he has been awesome.
0: The Portland Trailblazers at the Denver Nuggets.
2: Game one went about the way I, that I thought. I think this is gonna be a coin flip. Uh, do not think that the series is over. The Blazers have all the tactical advantages in this series and this was still a five point game with less than five to play.
0: Welcome to the Terry Stotts Experience.
2: The nuggets ran out of energy out of gas they don't have as much firepower that's what we said going in i like the blazers on the series price i got it early at a good number um you're not going to get it a good number now you want to wait because i think the nuggets are going to win game two and you can probably get it at a much better number uh especially probably like i would your best spot the spots here are probably after game two after game four if you want to get the blazers the blazers are minus 350 right now i don't hate it if you want to take blazers minus two and a half um at plus 170. I don't think that's the best number that you're going to get. I think you can wait, but it's entirely possible. The Nuggets just do not have enough firepower, but Will Barton is probably going to be back. I'll tell you by, I would say the game four, he's probably back, which is going to be a big boost for them. PJ Dozier's not coming back. The Blazers are going to win the series. I will tell you that right now. The Blazers are going to win this series. The Nuggets do not have enough, but the Blazers defense did screw around enough all night and is still trash. It turns out that defense is still horrible. Their game plan is good though. Make Jokic beat you one-on-one, live with it, cut down on the shooters. Jokic has one assist. The Nuggets are now two and four in playoff games where Nikola Jokic has more than 25 shots because that's not the way that they play. So I think the Nuggets are going to win game two. I like them. I, I took them first half especially. I think like that's always been a good spot is that team down 0-1 at home. You got it. must win game two, can't go down 0-2, take the first half line. like. I'm on Nuggets, Nuggets first half, but the Blazers are going to win this series, and it's because the Nuggets don't have any guards. Is, do we need anything more on this, Brandon, or is that it?
3: I mean, it really is that, that the firepower is it's just not the same. And I don't think that's over just because Jokic is too good. And we've seen, like, we, we know that Denver plays its best with their backs against the wall. And even when they're shorthanded, like we already, they already were missing Will Barton last year. They were missing Gary Harris for part of the, the playoffs last year and still came back down three, one twice. So I'm not ready to, to put dirt on the gravesite yet. Uh, I also, I picked them tonight. I think it's a great spot for them where you can't go down. Oh, two at home, hitting the road with no guards. This is not a good spot. Jokic had 10 post-ups in, in the first game and passed out of it only once. Jokic had was his teammates were one of 10 on potential Jokic assists both of those numbers are problems like 10 is not enough and one is definitely not enough and some of that is going to even out with variance i think Jokic will have a big game i think porter is going to have a big game they need him to put up some points but yeah i i think
4: i think we see where the series is probably heading i agree with you guys i I think porter is going to be the key because he he i mean he has to be the second star on this team i mean one going one for ten from three isn't going to cut it but, I mean, this is an ideal matchup for him. So, I, I, I do think the Nuggets win game two. And I think the Blazers eventually win the series. I will say, like, he
2: had 25 and he shot one of 10 from three. Like, yeah, I mean, he may, he. I, I t- I'll tell you this. I got him plus 800 to be a uh, series leading scorer. Mm. Mm. And I, I still feel okay about that even after Dame's big game. Uh, all right. Now to the series that I think are over.
0: The Boston Celtics at the Brooklyn Nets.
2: Look, honestly, this is the opposite of, of heat Bucks, where Celtics got what they needed. A terrible start for the Nets scoring 16 points in the first quarter. Like, that's what you need. Jumped all over him. Got a lead. You know, all the energy. Us against the world. Marcus Smart scoring. Robert Williams is doing his run out of gas. 40 points in the second half. Not enough firepower. Nets pull away. 13 for KD in the third. 13 for Kyrie in the fourth. That's the Nets model. Like, this was the ultimate, like, this is futile you do not have the firepower to run with this team. Like, you got a 16-point quarter at the Nets, and you didn't get a win. If you if you hold the Nets to 16 points in any quarter, you had better win the damn game, and they did not. Um, I took Nets minus 2.5 in the series, Raheem, and I feel great about it.
4: I think the most impressive thing about this series is that KD, like, almost died <coughs> attempting a layup, and, you know, he, he didn't try to sell it, like, the rock, the stone cold stunners, like LeBron did in the, in the sun's game. Um, Yeah. This, this series is futile. We could talk about anything else except for this one. I mean, this, the the, the Celtics had their shot and they just didn't take advantage of it. So it's just, let's move Brent, on to the six. I don't want to
2: overreact. I don't want to overreact to game ones, but this should, this is the one that they should, they should have won. And we should be like, Hey, are the Celtics in the series? Well, are the Nets inexperienced? Like Brandon, all these things. And, like they just couldn't get it done. Like I don't, I, again, I'm not trying to overreact to game ones. It's inherent that you're going to take stuff away from it. But I mean, this, this was a bad loss for Boston.
3: That's yeah, bad. And they don't have Jalen Brown and it's, it's the, the series. It's not happening for them. It may be a sweep. It may not. We don't really know like what the heart of the nets is. We don't know right. if they're going to go for the kill and try to close it out. I have no interest betting the series. I didn't really have any interest going in. Mm. The only angle that I'm watching is Robert Williams. So uh, I'm looking to potentially bet Nets quarter or game if Robert Williams suddenly goes out with foul trouble or with that turf toe injury again, because mm. he was a huge difference maker. Mm. Uh, Nets shot one of 13 against Robert Williams in game one. Nice. Uh, with him on the court, they had a 93.2 mm. defensive rating. Fair he good. had nine blocks. He uh, forced two turnovers. So if uh, suddenly like it's early second quarter and Robert Williams picks up that third foul and now he's done for the half, like that's a spot where I'm like, okay, Let me bet on the Nets this quarter to just like put this game away and go on a run here. He was one guy actually making a difference for them. So just looking like in game or in quarters, that'd be one angle to play. Otherwise, I don't have much interest in the series.
0: The Washington Wizards at the Philadelphia 76ers.
2: Look, um, I will say this. This is one that I kind of I looked at a lot. This is one I almost pulled the trigger on Wizards hanging in not seven, but like plus two and a half. I, I looked mm-hmm. at it um, right now. I'm bet MGM, the official Oz provider of the action network podcast. Um, the Sixers are minus 1600 on the series line. You can get uh, Wizards plus two and a half at plus plus one seventy. I don't hate that. Like they covered. I took the Sixers minus eight and a half and that did not hit. The the six, the Wizards covered and led for parts of this game. Gafford played really well and B did get in foul trouble. I think that's gotta be factored. Tobias Harris had the game of his had the game of his career and this and the Wizards were still in this. Yeah, Raheem, I, I don't think that this is like this is one that I don't really want to get into because I'm just like, if the Sixers come in and just destroy them in game two, I think it's over. And the and the value will be gone. And there's no nothing really to do there. I also don't want to entirely count out the chances that the Wizards can surprise them. Like I, there's the Sixers team that was not the kind of performance that I would have wanted if you if you got Sixers futures.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think I mean I spoke about this before is that these home teams are really struggling from three, um, and I, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, the Sixers were just ten of thirty-two from behind the arc. I think they'll, they'll shoot better. Um, and then, I mean, I could see them covering game two. I, I think that'll, that'll be a game that they cover, but I just don't think that the Wizards have an answer for Joel and B. I think of course, I mean, it's frustrating if you're a Sixers fan to see Ben Simmons only put up six points, but I think this is, this is a four or five game series, Max. I think that the Wizards will be over to hang. They'll make some games close, but I just don't think they have any answer for the Sixers um their offense at all. So I mean they
2: were in this game. Like they were in this game.
4: I mean they were, but I just I mean I mean the Sixers didn't shoot well from three. And I mean I think is they'll keep great, it close is this, a great, is this a great shooting team? I mean not at all, but I I think this is the type of game. This is what this is what scares me about the Sixers like i agree with you like when i see the sixers i have no real hope for their futures because they make things harder than it has to be but i don't think this is i think this is a a four or five game series where a lot of the games are close uh
2: sixers were 11th in three point percentage this season in makes they were uh 23rd so they don't shoot a lot but they make a better percentage than they did on sunday um Brandon do you have anything on the series
3: yeah on threes one of the most disrespectful things I saw going into the game yesterday is I saw a book put up a line of plus 400 will Ben Simmons attempt a three-pointer today that's so disrespectful and it hit because he took a long three at the end of the third quarter so I wish wow. I had disrespected Simmons a little bit too <laughs> um but yeah to me like Joel Embiid look Single game plus minus, not a thing to rely too much on. I hate that I'm saying it so much in this podcast. But with Joel Embiid, it's a thing. Embiid only played 30 minutes. He was plus 20. The takeaway is if Embiid stays enough on the court, they're going to win. So, I mean, that's the that's the thing with the Sixers. Like, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to stay out of foul trouble and stay on the court? The Wizards continue to start Alex Len, who I feel like is their third best center. And he got crushed yesterday up, up against Embiid. Maybe Daniel Gaffer just can't play Embiid. But I don't know. I, I'm not that interested in the series. I think mb is going to stay on the court. I, I kind of am where Raheem is at. Like, I think this is going to be sixers and four or five, but not necessarily a lot of blowouts, but I'm never really super fearing for them either.
2: Okay. That's going to wrap it up for the action network podcast. We went through all eight series. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Hopefully you got some good value out of it. We'll back on Thursday with another update after the series. We'll be looking forward to the weekend and everything that's going on, getting you up to date on all the news, everything. What's going on with Donovan Mitchell. What's going on with Chris Paul. Uh, Meanwhile, make sure to check out the action network and the action network app. You can track all of our bets. You can find in-depth analysis, all that stuff. Check out heat check on the action network handle. Uh, t- this week, I think I believe on Tuesday and Thursday, we're doing twice a week at 6pm Eastern, follow Action Network HQ on Twitter for that, we'll be holding a Twitter Spaces at some point this week, uh, looking at a, a good night of games to bet all of that stuff you can find on Action Network HQ check out the Action Network app for all of our analysis daily bets, daily picks, everything that you need to know, rate, review, and subscribe check out the PGA stuff that we have going on later this week and we'll talk to you guys again later on the Action Network Podcast, NBA edition. We're finished talking.